Hello, hello, and welcome to the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb, and I want to thank you here for joining us. Another great episode of how we can help our players not only become better physically, but better mentally. And we dive into both both sides, and we just really see how you really can't have one without the other. And it's really most important that we do this for to prepare our athletes for the thing that they will be most in life, which is a man, which is a person. And so uh, today I get a, the fortunate pleasure to talk about those things with a great friend of mine who have had the privilege of having a great relationship uh, since I've started coaching, is Mr. John Lowry Sr. And this legendary high school coach has a resume that's pretty unbelievable. And so I'm just going to have a chance to say a couple of these things. A little bit of them, and but you can surely just type in his name, John Lowry Sr., from Jefferson High School, and um, he has one of the most impressive resumes that you'll see, but he's actually the only coach that Jefferson's ever had, Jefferson, West Virginia, which opened up in 1972. He is right now the third all-time in high school victories, and he is the first active coach. He is the winningest active coach in high school history. Uh, he's won at least 20 games for 43 consecutive seasons. He has a state record, 12 state championships, and the West Virginia Player of the Year Award is actually named in his honor. It's John Lowry Sr., West Virginia State Baseball Player of the Year. Um, he's coming up on his 51st season as the Cougar Skipper, um, but it's just an absolute legend. Uh, knows an unbelievable amount of baseball. Uh, highly respected all throughout the country, and a guy that I've, you know, lived thirty minutes away and been able to have lunch with, and um, and always been a, always been a guy to be able to ex- answer any questions I may have, um, talk baseball, and uh, just really fortunate and um, to know him, and then as well as his son, John Larry Jr. Um, which will be another conversation, I'm sure, here in the future. But um, just a great man, and I hopefully you enjoy the conversation. And he gets into a ton of stuff that just kind of helped him be successful all throughout the throughout his time here. Um, you know, you figure he got on a Zoom call with me. Um, he's seventy in his mid seventies, and so, but it's just his willingness to adapt and. Willingness to learn new things and, and, and get in there. It's not the most tech-savvy person, but he'll try and he'll do what he can. And I just can't um, thank Coach enough for the time that we had. And But uh, just really want you to look, hopefully you look forward to the stuff he talks about. A lot of his BP stuff, what he's a, a betting practice. Uh, he talks about, he doesn't know. Um, I love his answer when, if, when, we, when people ask him about how good his teams are going to be. And it really speaks to him him having successful men in his program because that's when he knows if his team was successful because of what they've become and and the kind of careers they have and the type of men that they are. So without further ado, just love to get into this legendary conversation with Coach Lowry Sr. from Jefferson High School. Well, you know, sure, guys. we're able to play on some travel teams in the summer. We've uh, most of our guys played. Our younger group had a, a, a team where they played locally. Uh, you know, it, it's toward the end of June, they were finally uh, able to start getting together, and I think they started playing games in July. Uh, we had um, to go through certain protocols to be able to get our school field, which uh, I think all the all the different groups did around here. So we're, we're able to play. Uh, one weekend, I kind of I thought it was kind of interesting. We had two of our guys playing on a travel team in Columbus, Ohio. Four of them playing out in Bridgeport, West Virginia. We had one down in Alabama playing. We had four down in the Fredericksburg area playing, and we had one in Virginia Beach pitching. So 
you know, the kids are getting to play. Um, and we've had a good, nice response to our attempt with our fall, fall program. Uh, leg out of Frederick, Jeremy Long. I know that you know Jeremy. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to hopefully be able to field two teams and that, especially during the week. On the weekends, we still have some kids that are playing travel ball. But we've got people who have been uh, through the program or, or have kids in the program that coach those kids for us now. I know Mike Smith has a travel team. John has a travel team. Uh, and so the kids are getting to play. Uh, you know, our state limits, our access to our kids in a direct uh, manner with the exception of when we start practice and they do allow us to have 12 flex days now which we can use prior to the start of the season but again there's going to be protocols in place with that you know they um, based on the safety standards school sets and uh, uh, you know with the safety obviously being the, the uh, primary uh, uh, focus and uh, but you know our, a number of our kids are getting are getting to play and uh, you know, you, I've been asked questions about this kid or that kid. You know, you know, we had a couple guys coming in. It's going to be their junior season. It's going to be their kind of season to to, to emerge and see where they are, how they were going to, uh, what the possibilities might be for them. And of course, they've lost that. And some of the younger kids now that are coming in. This is the reason this younger group we played this summer is so important. You know, they'll come in. They'll be sophomores, and they didn't get to play at all their freshman year. We did get to practice two weeks. We did have two inter squad games. Uh, the day they told us we were finished, we were on the verge of our first scrimmage. We were going to scrimmage Urbana, but I think all the Maryland schools have been shut down. And then uh, Greg up at uh, Waynesburg called, and we were going to go up there on that Saturday. But, of course, all that went by the wayside. Then they kept pushing it back. They look at it again at this date, this date, that date. You know, kind of like the same scenario you see now with things being pushed back. And it, uh, I counted up the other day. I think it's approaching five months. And... Uh, I tried to project five months into the future, and it just makes you wonder if this thing will be under uh, yeah. uh, control even even at that point. I know that they're getting ready to play football over here. Uh, I know Jefferson's supposed to have a game against a team out of the Charleston area, but I think they're having some issues down there as to whether or not that game will be played. Okay. I don't know. I think Martinsburg and Mossman's already uh, had to cancel their opening game because of, uh, of the situation involving the Martinsburg program. With someone uh, being diagnosed. So, um, you know, a lot of question marks. And uh, I just, as I was opening up to get to you, I saw uh, a, uh, an email from our uh, athletic director about attendance at games. You know, I guess there's going to be a protocol for that. And yesterday I saw on TV that Notre Dame's only going to let 20% of their people come in or stand and be filled. That would be uh, with students having the first first choice or not and nobody from the outside being allowed in so it's just a just a whole lot of uh just a whole lot of uh i hate to use the word red tape but a whole lot of uh process i guess would be the better word to go through yeah where we uh, uh need to be in a safe way does it make you think of your future does it make you think like hey this is just a tough time for me to keep going on you still feel pretty energized to keep working through all this stuff well, uh, that, that's a good question. Uh, you know, all these uh, stuff that involves Zoom meetings. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had that with my team a couple of times. Uh, I'm, you know, I have to have other people help me get that set up like you did. Yeah. John was here to help me uh, um, get that. I, you know, I'm not the most comfortable guy in, in that realm. Uh, I certainly want to stay with this, this group. Um, you know, we, we were going to have a nice group last year. And, and even though we lost eight of those guys, we're still going to have a nice group this year. So hopefully for those kids' sake, we get to play. Um, I'd like to coach that group. I think we have a nice younger group coming. But obviously it's going to get to a point where, you know, it'd be time to, to um, you know, move on, obviously. Everything comes to an end. Uh, I'd have to reevaluate if for some reason this upcoming season would be yeah. uh, put on the back burner. But the reason being, and I'll talk to my wife about this, you know, it would be two years away, and that's a pretty big break, and that might be the right time for someone else to come in and get things established. I think I think with the contact 
and 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 knowing the kids that I've had and kids that have come back and 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 so forth, uh, the one year we can get through, especially when we were able to kind of set some groundwork at the beginning of last year with a couple of weeks practice. But two weeks, uh, you know, if if I was uh, 40 years old, or two, I mean, two seasons, excuse me, if I was 40 years old, it wouldn't be a question, maybe even 50, but you know, I'm going to be in my mid-70s, so it will be something to think about. Yeah, but you don't act like a mid-70s coach. That's the whole thing, yeah. you know, that's uh, for sure. Hopefully, uh, that, I can continue to feel good. I think good yep. uh, we all, we all love, we all love to see you out there too. So, but I was, that's all. I was just, I was just wondering how that, if it was a pretty big strain on you, but I'm, I th- I understand where you're coming from with being two years out. And I, and I hope for sure that, you know, you get out there and you, um, you get this next season, you know, that's just really tough. I mean, what this will, will this will be your 50th upcoming season or 51st if we play this spring? Well, it'll be the 51st year that I've coached this past season would have been the 50th. Okay. And I guess on how, you know, my athletic director said, we, well, you, you almost have to count that as your 50th season. You did coach for two weeks. You did have a couple of squad scrimmages. You got paid for the season for the school. Right. All the spring sports. Uh, I, you know, and, and I got to think about the, how do these college guys count that? You know, I mean, I guess it, 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 obviously, I mean, it's just one of those uh, things we put the, you know, we have a, a, a sign up in our, uh, building there puts all the records on it and of course we put in this one we put season camp canceled COVID-19 on either end we put two old masks with 2021 so, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, 10 years down the road they'll look back and say well you know uh, and that's the reason we we still put out our booklet but the idea being that you know the kids that were involved this year will have that, that you know look back on as a memory like a yearbook type thing that oh for sure yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that we'll, we'll never forget. So, I mean, I think that's a great idea, you know, like the season that was really never had. And, you know, I mean, I, I think you definitely – and that's normal. You know, I think that definitely helps them look back, and I think that's a great idea that you do that. So, it's like a media guide that you put out and everybody gets it? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, uh, I'll get your address and I'll see what you get. Like. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess when you're thinking about that, you think of 50 years, man. Like, I, I guess – it's something I think we've talked about before, but like, because we've talked about how the game is changing. And so like, what, what have you seen so much in, in, in those, all those years? Like you said, if I was 40, uh, you know, and things like that with the one, like what, what has really, what has really changed so much besides of course this crazy pandemic, but uh, that you've seen over the 50 years. Well, I think high school baseball is certainly a more prominent entity now than it was uh, when I first started, you know, we'd go out and, uh, we play, uh, I know when I was at Harpers Ferry, we might play Charlestown a couple of times, Shepherdstown a couple of times. I, I think we played 20 games my first year. Uh, I think it's, I just think there's more interest in baseball, people playing on weekends and so forth. But I think from a more significant standpoint, I think as time's gone on, the technology, the travel teams, all those things that have come to, to the forefront uh, to help players develop their skills. And while I think those are, are, are good things at times, I think at times, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's interesting to see uh, how kids, I think, come to depend on that stuff and, and, and are so concerned about maybe their, their velocity and, and, their, and some of the other terminology that's coming to the game, launch angle, exit, exit velocity, and things of that nature that uh, – you know, I, I, I think they're good if you can use them in the correct way. Uh, I think, obviously, as high school coaches, we, for the most part, take, you know, we take the kids that come into us. And those kids are not all going to be skilled to the level where they can uh, aspire to light up the radar gun to a certain velocity. So what I've always tried to do is to try to, you know, is try to learn the game at this level. And as they get older, as they get more mature, if they continue their interests, then they can aspire to some of those other things that might help them to get to the next level. But there's a certain uh, basis to the game that you have to, to be able to understand, you know, be able to react to situations, uh, be able to understand the adversity of the game, be able to understand the sacrifice involved in the game, uh, being able to uh, break the game down to its lowest level, which is one pitch and concentrate one pitch at a time. You can practice concentration as well as your 
it's your regular skills. And all these things uh, I think are significant, especially at our level. But I think sometimes those things get lost sight of when they, when they start looking at the end of the tunnel instead of the, the, the trip through the tunnel to get to that light at the end of the tunnel that they aspire to. I think it's great to aspire to play at the next level, but there's a process that you have to go through to get to it. And, uh, and you know, I, I think sometimes when, uh, you know, kids, uh, I look back at my, my youth, I look back, and you could probably relate to this in, in your youth. I look back to my sons and their youth. You know, a lot of things they figured out through repetition. What, what made it what work made it work for them? Something didn't work, it worked at it until they got it down to where it made it work. And I think um, I think the ones that are most dedicated might still have a lot of that, but I think there's some that kind of lose sight of that and they get discouraged because, you know, well, this coach told me to do this and I can, you know, that, you know, I, I think there's a personal responsibility that comes with, with this game as well as any game, you know, to figure certain things out, to be able to take the information that you have at your hand and utilize it and uh, find out what works best for you and uh, take that and, and, uh, and try to advance your, your skill set with it. Sure. And I, and I know that you're the, your baseball mind, you have un, the, what you've learned throughout this process. You, so you have so many, like you talk about this, the knowledge that you need to have at certain this level and like the, all the situations and things that you've seen in the game, like how, how are you able to, you know, when that, that, that guy, you say when they first, when you first get them, they're not going to have that knowledge. And especially now it's maybe more skill oriented than it is situational. And I know you have all these situational thoughts. How, how are you helping develop those kids more to, to give them that intelligence? Like what are you, what would, what, what kind of, what do you do with all your situational knowledge and, you know, expertise in the game? Well, you know, we try to practice a game speed. I think that's, that's, that's an important thing. And one thing we do every day in practice, we'll do it 45 minutes to an hour. We play what we call uh, situation BP or, um, you know, with, with a coach pitch and we just play the game and, you know, uh, and you can create different scenarios within that. You can start with a runner on third and say there's less than two out, try to hit a ground ball to get him in. Or maybe if the guy's up, you create a, a squeeze situation or, uh, uh, you know, the, the guy, the coach is pitching, when we do get runners on, he'll mix in balls in the dirt so that they have to react to the ball in the dirt. You know, you got to concentrate on every pitch so that you don't miss those kind of things. And if you practice those things, I think it's easier to do those kind of things. And uh, and the kids, you know, I've never charted it specifically, but if you take the number of games we play, well, I mean, we're fortunate in West Virginia. We get to play 32 games. And if we, you know, have success in our tournament, we could get to 40, 39 40 games by the end of the season, which is, you know, that's a pretty that's nice pretty season, season for us yes, the length of time we get to play. But if you add in all the at-bats they get in our, our scrimmage or BP scrimmage games, uh, they'll get several hundred bats during the course of, of the uh, of the year. And uh, and the guys, and the, everything's done at game speed. You're playing, you know, you, you change after, maybe maybe one day you'll want to change after uh, every three outs and you'll work on getting them in and out quickly. Um, you know, again, that's something to practice. You just say, oh, you want them to hustle in, you want them to hustle out, but how do you expect them to do it if you don't practice it? Yes, uh, sir. Uh, sometimes you might go through, say, okay, let's see if we can go nine outs in a row without making a mistake. Or, um, you know, we will create a bottom of the uh, bottom of the seventh situation, score tied. Or bottom of the seventh, uh, maybe we're a run behind, um, getting bunched down. You know, all the little nuances, little things that come up in the game that uh, – uh, we, we try to practice repetition. We, and of course, I mean, and, and this is no secret. Everybody knows this as coaches baseball. You create your situations, you know, with your outfield relays and the communication and your your fly, your fly ball priorities and things of those nature. I don't think you can expect kids to do things they don't practice. And, um, you know, my coach and uh, I had a coach in college, Joe Retton, he was the basketball coach up there at Fairmont. And he was also the assistant in baseball. And the word was, even though he was, I mean, when he retired, I think he had the winningest percentage nationwide of Ooh. any college coach at that particular point. Wow. And, um, but they say he loved baseball the best. And that's what he, he would always say. And he said, how can you expect people to do things you don't practice? So, you know, whether it's covering first, whether it's getting off the mound to back up, whether it's going to front of the dugout and breaking the third or the uh, uh, behind the plate on the throw in. You know, we have a, a, there's two, two things I picked up at clinics that I thought were good 
And, you know, if, if you can get coaches or get teams to get your team to understand this, what do you do when the ball's not hit to you? I mean, I, you, you just don't stand there and watch. You might be the right fielder, ball's hit the left field, you move down, so the ball's overthrown in second. Uh, or at any time during your scrimmage, you can look at one of your players and say, what do you know? And, he, you know, he might say, well, there's two outs, we're run behind, we're playing outs. Uh, the guy at the plate doesn't run very well, so we can get a step, step, uh, step or two deeper. Uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you know, just anything like that that gets them to concentrate, gets them to think. And uh, uh, that's the way we try to approach it. And, uh, uh, you know, I think we've, we've, um, we've been successful with it. I think the kids enjoy it. They like practice. We get a lot of response. Gene Kearns, you remember Gene Kearns? Oh, yeah. Uh, Gene told me one time, and, you know, when he was scouting, he'd say, you, you seem to be able to get all the guys out who – your program seems to be able to get all the guys out who want to play baseball. And, you know, there was a period of time that that was the truth. And, uh, you know, times have changed a little bit. Kids are they're getting, you know, other interests and things. But um, I think, you know, we've been fortunate to attract a large number of kids – to come out, and I know before the schools split, we get between 80 and 90 out, which was misfortunate because there were some kids that would miss out on the opportunity to play. Sure. Uh, and that's one of the things that still pleases me, the fact that we've been able to, I feel, continue with a similar level of success after the school split that we had before the school split. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Before, we had a kid, kid just passed away, a kid named Adam Steven. And he was in our program, and we had a couple of JVTs. We'd have so many kids out. And his senior year, he didn't make the final roster. And he ended up going to Davis and Elkins to play and pitch, pitched in college. And it, you know, it made me think, what in the world did that? So what did I miss here? But uh, And, of course, he just passed away the other day. That's the reason I bring that story up. It's uh, um, – you know, we've just been fortunate to have a lot of interest. I mean, you've looked over, you've been around long enough to know the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia. There's um, there's a lot of interest in baseball, and that extends on out up toward the Cumberland, or in the Cumberlands of Maryland, Kaiser area, you know, with John Cruck, uh, Travis Harper from Circleville, uh, mm -hmm. the Creek, uh, Doug Creek, Martinsburg. Uh, uh, Martinsburg's one state, uh, I think, four state championships. Hedgesville, Berkeley Springs. So there's state championships throughout the panhandle. It's very, very competitive. And uh, I've just been fortunate enough to uh, I love baseball, number one, obviously, and to be in the right spot at the right time to be able to have the opportunity to uh, work at this school since its inception and watch mm -hmm. the program grow. So. Yeah, it's been nice. I mean, well, a lot of those guys you talk about, too, being competitive come from your coaching tree, too. Thank well, you. <laughs> I, appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. Now, yep. you know, we've, had, we've had a lot of talented guys. Yeah, I've had a lot of good assistant coaches, and I, and and that go and a lot of support with the people. I mean, you've seen our facility and the way yeah. it's it's grown and improved, and that's all a result of community effort and uh, you know guys that have played for me, helping us coach. And, uh, it, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I know you said. I know we've talked about your staffs in the past. You know, you're fortunate to have a a, go, a, lot, a good number of guys help you. Have you always had? Have you always? Has it always been that way, or is that something you've kind of worked to in the past couple of years? Well, it's been that way. I'd say since uh, the early 2000s. Anyway, you know, there for the longest time, Bruce Davison, who's passed away now, he was uh, he was my assistant coach for 23 years, and uh, and then he went over to Washington when Ed Holton became a head coach. He and Buzz Jackson, those were the three of us, basically. And then as time went on and, you know, we, we added um, our JV program, we felt that it was, necessary, you know, it's be helpful to have a couple assistant coaches at the JV level because that's where you're starting to develop guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and when we, uh, you know, the volunteer coach program uh, started over here where guys could take their coaching classes through the, the uh, West Virginia Secondary Schools Activities Commission to get certified. They were willing to do that, and we had guys who had played in the program, and um, they came back. Of course, some of them, you know, their their children were starting to come through the program. But the interesting part of that is we've had people, even after their children have, or their young men, 
I shouldn't say children, <laughs> young men have gone through the program that have stayed and, and stayed and, and helped as well. So, and and I think that continuity, I think that continuity helps because they, uh, um, they the kids know what to expect when they get there. Um, you know, they uh, it's been very helpful. How are you able to manage all the like as many staff members that you have? I know you said what you have ten, like you have like close to ten, I think one time. Well, you know, some of those guys, you know, you know, they they might come at particular times based on their work schedules. Obviously. Sure, they can't drop everything, and come to baseball, but you know, and we break down and do when we do our drill work. Obviously, we have a couple uh, infield drills where you use two fungo hitters. We have an outfield drill where we use three fungo hitters. We have. Uh, um, I always like to have guys that can throw BP. You know, in my mid seventies, I don't throw BP. <laughs> um, so I think the more you know, you can, a couple of those guys are young can still throw. That, that they're very helpful. Um, if you have kids that are, when you break down with the building, when you send them in the cage to hit, you know, you can send someone in there with them. Obviously, you when you, when you have kids that are by themselves like that, you need for them to be supervised. So that something doesn't happen or somebody doesn't get hurt, you don't have a liability issue. Sure. And, uh, you know, that it's just a matter of staying organized, breaking down in the groups. You can do, you know, you know, all the drills. You get your middle infielders. You can work your feeds. Uh, you can work the footwork around the bag at first. You can work your catchers on blocking. Uh, you can work, uh, you know, the outfielders on drop steps, going to pick balls up at defense. Uh, uh, you know, just uh, – getting behind a fly ball and moving into it so that you can get something on your throw. Uh, you know, people don't realize all the little various techniques that are involved in baseball. I've often thought of being you can sit down and just, you know, uh, you know, um, you can put your infielders in a box drill and have them work on all their feeds, feed away from the glove, feed to the glove, underhand feed, overhand feed, backhand feed. Uh, you can have them work on a force out. You can have them work on a catch and tag. You know, it's all the little fundamental things that, um, that are going to come up in the game. And again, I think the more you practice those things, the more confident they get in doing them, the more comfortable they'll do it. And it almost becomes a muscle memory second nature for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, um, I just kept, I, I keep going, I keep thinking of, like, when you talk about the game stuff, too, I just know you've been in so many big games. Um, you know, like what, and what, how have you, I guess, like your game management and how you run a game is is superior to many. You know, you've been in so many big games. What has really kind of allowed you to manage the game as well as you could? I'll tell you, that's one play, one thing where um, the coaches really come in. You know, they'll, they'll keep an eye on uh, one area they come in as well as others. Keep an eye on the depth of your outfielders, situation, the outs, uh, Coach Cross does a good job. He'll he charts every game we play, but he keeps specific information on all our local teams that we have to play from a tournament standpoint. Okay, and he'll be able to he he can go back and tell you how we got a kid out when he was a sophomore when we played him as a senior. Now it could be that the kid has has improved from that, and yeah, you know, then you make the necessary adjustment. But still, if you know there's a certain pitch that he struggled with, and he sees that, he calls the pitches and. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of success uh, with that. You know, I always, you know, you try to anticipate a hit. I think anticipation is uh, uh, is the key to it. You know, I, I tell kids all the time, especially in backup situations, I said, you want to anticipate an overthrow. You don't want to react to the overthrow. In other words, you don't want to wait till it's overthrown and then go get it. You want to be there in case it is overthrown. Well, it's kind of the same way with uh, – um, coaching moves you know you try to anticipate what the other team might do uh i know give you an example you get a three two count uh two out uh you, you might be able to back pick somebody at first base or if you're or you know if you're in your stretch and the bases are loaded you might be able to inside move somebody okay. or if you, you know um just little things like that that you try to you, you pick up on and uh you know watching the depth of their infielders and maybe you know you can drop a bunt if you got a guy that can run and um, if the score of the game late you have several runs uh, uh, lead you know you get your guys to understand the value of playing outs instead of you know like if a ground ball sits to the glove side of second base with a runner on first rather than trying to make the hard play going to second 
take the easy out at first. Now you have to a two out inning. That guy on second would have to score. You know, you're still three runs at the end. So, you know, little things like that all try to factor into your thought process. And uh, that would make that's what makes it fun. You watch a lot of games and you see how other people react. I'll tell you who was really good uh, at that. And I don't know if this name rings a bell with you, but it would be Cal Bailey, who's a longtime West Virginia State uh, College, now university coach, who just passed away this past spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he was always at, around the state tournament when you'd go down there. And he, uh, in fact, he came up here with us. He spoke with our bank for one year and he came. And when I used to have a camp, he'd come and help. But he, he was just so good at analyzing and picking out little nuanced things. And, and he'd say things that, uh, you know, that just resonated with you to, to help you to be able to, uh, you know, get, get, make you think a little bit when, when certain situations came up. And he was, uh, he was just a great, great guy. And, you know, he ended up he played AAA with uh, with the Pirates. He was for those old timers who might be listening. He was Richie Hebner's roommate in minor leagues. You know, Hebner being sure. the third baseman the Pirates had there for for a number of years. But uh, you know, again, I think it's uh, it's repetition, being around, watching the game. Uh, that's how you learn it. Uh, you know, it's um, it, it's no you got to you got to be willing to invest the time if you want the result. Like Cal Senior used to say this every year at his camps when he when he'd have them up at Mount St. Mary's. He said it's hard to get any money out of the bank if you don't put some money in the bank. He says, well, it's hard <laughs> to see any results in your play if not willing to invest some time in your play. That's what he's saying. Uh, and that's yeah. well taken. It's hard to get money out of the bank if you don't put money into it. Right. <laughs> now you're not going to get much interest on the money you put in, but that's not, <laughs> that's not the message. Uh, that's good. That's great. So Cal Senior, so you said Cal Senior will come up? Well, Cal Senior, I'll tell you, let me, let me tell you a funny story about Cal Senior. Twice I had clinics at the school. And the one year I wanted to have him come up. And so, I, you know, I had his phone number from Jim Gilbert. I called him up and I'd met him a time or two. And, I, you know, I just started working at the camp they had up at Mount St. Murray. So I called Cal Senior up. And told him what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a camp on a, on a weekend. And I was wondering if he could come up and maybe if he, uh, Billy and uh, Cal Jr. could come up. Well, Cal Jr. was out of the equation, but Billy came up with him. But okay. anyway, I started talking about this and that, and he listened. Then he said, John, he says, I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it. He said, <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, uh, Cal, go ahead, let me know. So anyway, he, he, he had it all organized out who would speak and how they, you know, how the clinic would run. And his fee was a thousand dollars. And if we didn't make enough money at the gate to cover his thousand dollars, I had a guy in the community who told me he would sponsor it. But as you know, when he came up, it was a, we had a lot of success. So anyway, I go give him a, a check for a thousand dollars. And he says, John, he says, uh, that's too much money for what I did here today. He said, you need something for your program? I said, well, we're trying to get a bat cage down our right field side. And, you know, he said, well, you get that bat cage and you let me know what it costs. Anyway, he ends up sending us $500 bucks back. Really? That was, uh, you know, pretty neat. So he, he was awesome. a great guy. He was a great guy. That is great. Yeah, I mean, and same thing with Cal Bailey. I mean, you don't hear too many bad stories about Cal, that's for sure. Uh, he was uh, – both those guys were, were ones of a kind that loved the game. And I think they showed what at the investment of time and effort and uh, into the game, what it could result to for you. I mean, uh, they certainly invested their lives in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cut from the same cloth you are. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. But um, so thinking about that, like just in your lifetime and what you've seen, um, besides, of course, the, you know, like you said, the low level language, little technology, we, I think we see those things. Um, what do you, what do you feel has stayed the same? Has there, has there been much that stayed the same or what, what things kind of still stay true to this day? Well, again, I think, it, like I said earlier, and I tried to make a few notes over here and I want to overlook and overlook anything that I might've put down, but you know, I think you gotta, it starts with the fundamentals. It starts with the fundamentals and repetition. Uh, and that's a mental challenge a lot of times. That's where the, the discipline comes in, the practice and the discipline, practice and the mental concentration. Uh, 
you know, a lot of people sit back and they'll watch a game. And, and I've heard this said that everybody thinks that they know a lot about the game simply, you know, because they played softball, they played some, and I'm not being, I'm not knocking that in any way when I say softball, I'm not talking about the fast pitch softball, the organized softball that's played because the same level of fundamental and execution is needed in that. I'm talking about backyard softball or church softball where you go out and you just have fun. Well, you know, it's an easy, it looks like it's an easy game, but it's not an easy game. And, uh, you know, when you, uh, when you throw into situations and, uh, it's it's just a game that requires that fundamental approach, you know, the, the things that you need to do, uh, being able to get a butt down, uh, out around the base at first, uh, how to communicate with your teammates, uh, being willing to take a pitch to get base runners. You know, base everybody wants to hit. That's great. But, you know, base hits don't score runs. Base runners score runs. So if you can convince your kids that getting hit by a pitch is a, is a uh, you could applaud that uh, if you could uh, take in pitches to get a walk if, if, in, in today's game with the pitch count. That's big because you get the pitch sure. count. You got a guy, you can get him out of the game. That's that's another thing to talk about as far as management of the game is concerned. Uh, keeping track of that, you're dug out. Uh, I, I just think there's certain fundamental assets to the game that, that have not changed. And that's what comes down to the execution part of it. I think, remember Billy Wagner? Yes. Billy Wagner was a left-handed relief pitcher, the big yes. league for 17 years. And and you get the inside pitch uh, magazine from baseball. And he, uh, he uh, coaches at a school down in, in the Charlottesville area, but he, he made the comment trouble with a lot of guys. Now they all, with all this travel ball and all the other things, they get D one itis. All they want, they think about, you know, and, Again, referring back to what I said earlier, I, you know, it's, I think it's good to have goals and aspirations. You know, you have long-term goals, you have short-term goals, but you got to work through your short-term goals to get to the long-term goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what stayed same. I mean, that, that that's nothing specific to the game. That's just investing your time in the game, and that's certainly something that uh, uh, people need need to understand. One of the one of the goals I have as a coach is if, is if a kid is so inclined that he has that interest. If he can get an education out of baseball, then baseball's done a great thing for him. Uh, I heard Mark Marquis, I think I'm saying his last name correct. He was the head coach at Stanford. Speaking at a clinic one time, he talked about the pyramid effect. And I'm sure that you probably heard that. But, you know, we start out at the bottom, the pyramid's wide, everybody plays. And as you start to advance, as you get older, the pyramid starts to go up and it starts to narrow down a little bit. And what that symbolizes is that, you know, there's going to be less people playing because of the skill level involved, you know, between let's say little league and pony league or youth league or whatever the next league is now, the, uh, then the high school, then the college, then even to the professional, we get to here. Then you get to the big legs. It really gets narrow. Mm -hmm. And then right at the top, there's very few people that can play the game the entirety of their life and never have somebody tell them, well, you're not good enough to play now. You're not good enough to play. The only ones that might escape that would be the uh, Barry Jeter's, the uh, Cal Ripken Jr.'s, uh, people of that nature who, who were Hall of Famers. So with all that in mind, you have to have, there have to be other values and things that you take away from the game. If what we're doing is, uh, you know, it's a, that we learn teamwork, did we learn sacrifice? Did we learn self-discipline? Did we learn how to accept adversity? Did we learn how to be a good teammate? Did we, uh, you know, all those things factor in to what you're going to have to be able to do after you get done playing baseball or as you live your life. And, you know, a lot of people ask me about our team, what kind of team you have. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's kind of cliche, yes, but I think it's a real good point. And uh, I've heard it said, you know, ask me 20 years from now. Now, are these guys that played, are they, are they good fathers? Are they good husbands? Uh, are they providing for their family well? Are they uh, well settled with, you know, in, in life and in, in a position in which they're happy? Uh, yeah, we had a good team. We, uh, we might have been 30 and 2 or we might have been 14 and 
25, you know, but in the end, who remembers that? Uh, I, I hate to go over the, I guess I'm kind of the, going off the subject here a little bit. No, nah, it's great. It's great. I, 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 I mean, I just think that's why we do the things we do. We try to help them get to that point and, uh, you know, beyond the baseball and understand that the baseball is not the end all. If they can use baseball as a vehicle, uh, they can have a good time and create some, um, some lifetime friends and some relationships that they can carry on with them. I think that, uh, you know, baseball served them well. And uh, uh, I think yourself and your love for coaching the game and myself, and you can look around at others the same way we've been fortunate mm -hmm. given uh, that interest level that we want to, we want to continue our interest in the game. Cause certainly we were told at some point we weren't good enough to play anymore. Right. So, All right. Uh, but we've been able to stay at it, but uh, just, uh, just a lot of things. I'm sure you've heard this. They say you grow up gripping the baseball, but in the end, the, the ball has a grip on you. So I think that's where it comes down to. For certain. Where we're at, so. <laughs> You're right. And I was thinking like, so, you know, beyond those lessons, like, so, I mean, of course, and even this, you said you had Zoom, you said you had Zoom links, Zoom calls with your team. Um, but just, I mean, what a great example this is, you know, this pandemic right now to teach us lessons, you know, what the hell, you know, the, just the perspective we have now on not being able to play the game. Um, but what are some ways that you ha try to teach and convey those messages to your teams? Are there specific ways that you try to do that? I know you take your teams away a lot. You guys travel some. Um, is there anything that you guys might do during the year, or is this something that you kind of take case by case and say, "Hey, we gotta we gotta do this better"? Well, I think we got. I think you got to hold them accountable. You know, the discipline part of it. Uh, I think they learned through that. Uh, last year, uh, we had a group of our players that would help some of our incoming players if they had some issues with their, with their studies, kind of tutor them a little bit. Nice. Uh, we get involved in the community. We have a, uh, we help with the apple butter down here at the fire hall. So we do some community things like that that help. Uh, we work the gates at the fair. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's uh, things that, uh, you know, kind of give back to the community and, uh, and it also keeps us together as a group because, you know, it's, it's the base Jefferson baseball team that's doing that. Mm -hmm. so, and those are the things I think that help build that camaraderie uh, beyond the three month period uh, that you, uh, that you uh, uh, are with them, you know, and that kind of leads me to another point too, you know, back in my time, at a larger school, you had a lot of guys that maybe play three sports. Now you don't have that very much. And, uh, you know, especially the school, of course, I didn't go to those schools nearly as large as what Jefferson is, uh, 1,200, 1, But anyway, uh, so, you know, you, you can, you're not interrupting their, their involvement in another sport. You encourage their involvement in another sport. We never discourage like one of our better pitchers next spring. Uh, likely going to be the starting quarterback on the football team. And I think that's good because that mm -hmm. puts him in more competitive situations, more pressure situations to, to be able to react to. And uh, I, I just think that's good. But a lot of kids don't play the three sports anymore like they do. So we try to give them uh, through our flex practices, through the fall program and so forth, a vehicle to stay uh, active. And, uh, and we've had some, you know, we have our off-season conditioning program too that we work that was really successful last year. Actually, um, you know, the last two or three years, we started it three years ago on a, on a more uh, specific nature and it really grown. I'm just hoping that, it, that we're gonna be able to do that this year. You know, our weight room's not that big. You got a lot of guys in there working and whether they're, how they're gonna view that or not, I guess remains to be seen. But it was, really was a benefit to those who weren't involved in, uh, another sport, but I'm, but I think by holding kids accountable, by having good leadership from your older players, they see how to go about things, how to approach their business, all these things help these guys understand that if they do things the right way, then you can get the result that you're looking for. And, uh, that helps build tradition. Uh, and I think that they're, excuse me, they're, uh, they come into the program 
wanting to sustain the tradition. You know, the, I, I think a lot of schools probably say this tradition never graduates. So if you have a program that uh, you, you, you want to maintain that, you don't want it uh, uh, just because some good players leave, doesn't mean that, you know, you have to fall off the other end. You want other guys ready to, to step up. And that's where the ones that are leaving have been the example for the ones that are coming up. It's how they need to go about their business so that they can be successful and maintain that, uh, uh, you know, the level of uh, accomplishment that they, they, they aspire to. Sure. I mean, it, cause it definitely seems like, I mean, you guys, it's almost like you just reload, you know, you don't really rebuild, you know. And so have you really just, is that just a testament just to your older kids or is it other things that you're doing even at the JV level? Well, we do try to play a full JV schedule. Uh, and this is something, I, after having been in, I didn't realize this. I, I, re, I found out uh, either last year or the year before, you could play as many JV games as you want as long as you don't let one kid play in more than 32. So we had 38 JV games scheduled last year. So, you know, so what you do, you know, a couple of you just put all your freshmen out there and let them play. Make sure everybody gets their opportunity. And so I've always felt like it was important to have a, a full JV schedule. I think that creates interest. Yeah. Uh, you know, if the kids come out as a freshman and you don't have JV games for them, they, they're smart enough to see what, you know, what the older guys have to offer. And, you know, they're, they're not interested just in sitting around not playing. But, you know, they go on an overnight trip to uh, Bridgeport. Uh, we have some kids that are dual rostered that can play back and forth. You know, if we've got a pitcher that wants to get some work, he can go down and play. Or if we got a kid, maybe they can uh, – we want him to play all the time, but he has a – Maybe he runs pretty well. You know, we get in a big game or something, we can bring him up to utilize him. Maybe as a courtesy runner, things of that nature. But, uh, uh, you know, I think you, you got to develop your younger guys, and uh, we try to do that by having, you know, a, a full JV schedule for them. I think that's uh, uh, that's most uh, – Yeah, that's super smart with, like, like you're saying, we're just going to play the freshmen so these other kids don't get to 38, 32 games. I think that's – that's a that's a veteran move, man. That is really smart because yeah, we're. I think that's how the rule stated, even around here is yeah. We've always tried to play a full one, um, too. But yeah, I think it's about games. So yeah, you could if you have enough, like yeah, certain kids just won't play, and you just play all. Your, that's that's a super smart. That's really that's very creative. You can't you can't do that at the varsity level now, but you can you know at JV level, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. because you know. For, uh, for a couple of years there, we had two JV teams. Mm-hmm. And we try to schedule like 24 JV games apiece. Now, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, from an administrative standpoint, you might get into the problem, the umpire costs and all that type of thing. But, you know, we get a, we get a nice attendance at our, our JV games where you run your concession stand. And then that's where your booster club comes in to help too, if you need some of that extra, um, you know, expense taken care of. So, sure, sure. Man, that's pretty creative. You, you got any other uh, any other tricks of the trade like that? And that's that's pretty that's pretty slick there, man. That's that's really really good, really good. But I remember well something you've always said it stuck with me is that baseball is still a game meant to be played. You know, as much as we want to practice, as much as we, like, but I know that's one thing that you've always said, and I, that's always stuck with me because and I think that's why. And I, like I, I I believe it's when I started to practice game like much more is after having the conversation we've had, and you always just say, hey, the, the baseball is meant to be played. And, um, you know, it's just always something that stuck with me. Well, that's the reason they play, uh, you know, uh, 162 games at the professional. You know, there's there's a random nature to baseball that evens out over a larger sampling. And uh, I, I know that it's impossible to uh, implement that at uh, perhaps at our level, but – with that being said, you know, our tournament now at both the sectional and regional levels is double elimination. So, you know, it's just not that ground ball that hits the uh, pebble and goes over somebody's head to tie in the game. It, you know, I mean, it, you know, two games, well, you know, still that's not a huge sample, but it's more of a sample than the one. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, less luck comes out of it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you know, and with, with the pitch count and with your depth of pitching and uh, that type of thing. Makes uh, more strategy. Right. It makes it fun to, it, it, uh, now we, we still haven't got to that level at the state 
and the reason I think being there is because a lot of times we play our state tournament at a, at a professional venue, the minor league park in Charleston. And it, that weekend that we play, it happens to be open and you know what rain could do to a double elimination event yeah. with uh, 12 different, three classes, three double. Yeah. So they need to be able to play their games and uh, move on because a lot of times the pro team will be coming back in. I think that's mm-hmm. the, the, the deterrent to that. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I think what you're saying, like, it's just, it's just so true. And, and I think we've seen a lot more of that, you know, the conventions we go to and you hear a lot of people talk about the situational BP a lot more and just playing the game more, you know, and, and cause yeah, baseball for the time. And I can remember, you know, those, 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 those mistakes that I made, we were, I was so skill-based and all the, you know, breaking things down and we just didn't situate, didn't do enough situations. Did you find that your team, were you, were you pleased with the result after having your team exposed to that type of, repetition through you know scrimmaging a lot I mean did you feel that they were that they reacted better in, in, in different situations it uh in, in some way yeah and uh, if I just felt like the practice was uh that we just like it might have been less reps but it was they were just more purposeful yeah. you know and so we got the quality of them and I felt like yeah even just overall like they were maturing more and that and I thought that was important you know and let alone yes I got a we got to help them from a physical standpoint, but that's also even the mental mental part too. Like you said, of what do you know? And I think that's even similar. What do you know? And what are you going to do? And, and, and in this situation, so we're still growing the mind. And I think that's what you do really well without even trying, like, but it's just the, the people you've getting, you know, with the eight state players you've had, so many guys just know the game because you're, you're putting them in so many good game like situations that they have to think about them. They got to mature and, and that so I mean yeah I, I just feel yeah like it was just more purposeful it wasn't just like here's 50 ground balls 50 ground balls you know and we're just you know, doing all those things and because what's what I struggle with too is a matter of like the pace of practice you know I love the high energy and and doing things and but like when you try to do game like it kind of slows down just like our game does which is fine but, and that's where but that's but it was just what we needed though well and I and I can say I think you hit it on a key point too you know I've, I've heard guys you know, they want to do more in practice just to have fly balls hit to them, ground balls hit to them, and stand out there in the field while somebody's taking batting practice. And so, uh, I'm, I've, uh, you know, any of these guys you hear talk at the ABCA and everything, they're all about that, trying to create a, uh, you know, the game speed, the game atmosphere, and situations that relate, relate directly to uh, to the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just, I mean, you know, just uh, just thinking about all the players, players that you have. Just gee, we're already come up to an hour, but um, I would just think it's like, what what have you seen in those in all these great players in all your years of the players who have been consistent? Is it main, is it mainly just is it is it have you had really great players that haven't been uh, right in the situation, like mature enough for the situation, or, or mostly all of them? just good in every situation and kind of our heads up like that. Uh, is that pretty common or? Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't emphasize the point that over the years, we've had a lot of good players. I mean, you've known that. And I'm not, yeah. And there'd be those that say that I'm stating the obvious, but you look at those guys that made player of the year in the state, all of them were really good players. All, uh, and there are two guys that didn't even make that list who early on in the school's uh, uh, history, a uh, young man by the name of Jerry Mahoney and then Jeff Reynolds, who played AAA for like 10 years. He was, he was our first guy to sign a pro contract. He, was, he played in the Valley League, and lit the Valley League up. He, back when they used to have the January draft, the Yankees drafted him. And, and Mahoney went on to play at West Virginia University. And, uh, both those, in fact, Mahoney pitched Shepherdstown the state championship when he was a freshman in high school. Mm. So he was a senior when Jefferson first told him. So he he helped us to get off on the right foot, without sure. question. <laughs> he sure. uh, and uh, but those guys were just good players. I mean, you take John Senate. I mean, he was the thirty second player taken in the draft. He was the highest drafted high school player uh, in the history of the state of West Virginia. He was a sandwich pick. That was nineteen ninety nine. Jim Buck Crispin, he was signed out of a tryout camp. Uh, you know, John, he got an opportunity to play after his 
year, career in Minnesota was over with. Uh, Ryan Creek, you know, Doug's brother who made the big leagues, he, uh, he played triple A, you know, I, I don't think you, I think you work with those guys and you help them develop. They got a skill set. You put them in a position to succeed and be able to display that uh, skill set, to use a current word, to showcase that skill set. And certainly all these guys were recognized. I remember uh, Reynolds, or uh, not Reynolds, but a Senate and another guy named Jimmy Rhodes who went on to pitch at yeah. Ohio State and came yeah. back to uh, uh, West Virginia. Those guys always play, they played with uh, the Oriole Landers when Jim Gilbert had them. Yep. The sheriff was Dean, right? That. And yep. uh, uh, John Suckler, you remember him? He coached yes, uh, uh, Goretti for a year. Yep. And, uh, of course, the, the, the most current guy, he just signed a, a contract uh, a couple of weeks back, Paul Witt. So we're keeping yeah. our fingers crossed, for, uh, you know, for him. But Paul, I'm going to tell you about Paul. Now, this is how dedicated he was to the game. And you don't coach this. You're either this or you're not. We played the state championship game on a Saturday. We get off the field. It's late in the evening. You know, we, we were fortunate enough to win. Everybody's excited, happy. You know, they want a nice dinner. He and his dad get in the car. They drive to Richmond. He plays in a uh, summer league game that Sunday afternoon. Now, how many guys would have done that? They'd have said, well, they'd have called him on the travel league team. How many yep. paid to call as well, guys? You know, we just got off the field. I'll see you next. Not Paul. Yep. Uh, he was there on that. Uh, and you don't put that type of uh, desire or dedication into a guy. And that's yep. the reason you're glad to see people like that get rewarded. Because For sure. Yeah, I got, a, I got a good story like that, too, as a, a guy, Coach Josh Conway. You know, I, I was just forced to coach him one year. Uh, I just said, here's the ball. And, you know, yeah. but he got – he. Gene draft. Gene Gene got him with the uh he got drafted by the Mets uh, by the Braves. I'm sorry. So the Braves got him down to a two week I think you know after the draft pick they put all the draft picks together for like two weeks down in Georgia, and uh, they thought they projected him as a third baseman. So he went down there and worked there. Never played third base in his life. And um, on his way home, he calls me and says, "Hey, coach, can we go?" work out at third base. I've never played third base. They project as third baseman. And he's like, I was like, oh yeah, sure, man. We'll do, we'll do some work. We wait like next week or something. Give you, he's like, oh, I'll meet you when I get home. He literally drove from Georgia right to the field. And I met him at field that night. Yeah. All right. And so that's, that's, you don't coach that. You yeah. either, either is or there isn't, you know, Incredible. that's another thing. These, these young guys. And I think uh, that story tells this. They don't, these, the professional guys, as I understand it, they don't, uh, scout performance, they scout tools, you know, then they, and then off the tools that you might have, then they can project. That's the reason a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll draft a guy and they might change his position because they think he's better suited for something else. Yeah. Well, I think what you do is you do. he's going to play for us in high school. He's either going to pitch, play shortstop a lot of times, right? But yeah. at the next level, he might be a corner outfielder or he might be, you know, something outside. But sure. they, they scout tools. They don't, uh, they, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's fine. No, I agree, I, and they do definitely tools. And I was just thinking, like, I, I think you do, I think you do still teach that a good because I'm sure maybe Paul has probably heard you tell these stories of these great players as well. I think that's one great thing that you do as well with not even, but like at least at least giving them the the role model, you know, giving them the inspiration, giving them to say, hey, this is what this kid, this is what Senate did, this is how Jimmy Rhodes was, this is how these guys ahead of you have done. And so maybe at least, so if Paul wants to be that guy, he kind of knew those guys ahead of him. Like you said, the traditions never graduated at Jefferson. Those guys have done that. You continue to tell these guys, here's what these guys have done. So, I mean, I think in a way you still very, you still very much model it with your consistency and showing up. I think you, I think you do a great job of just being able to help them visualize. Here's what the great ones do. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, those guys still have to do the work. Don't get me wrong. That's for Dag, I'm sure. But, I just still think you do like you, even with me, you know, like, and those kind of things, because I've told your stories before, you know, like it just, and I think all those things still kind of help a player. Well, and, you know, I referred back to coach Retton when that, when I was at Fairmont, you know, certainly in my mind, I've thought back to him a number of times and how he go about things. And, uh, you know, because everybody just admired the, the basketball program up there. Of course, he was a good team too, but, I mean, how those guys went about their business. You know, the football. That one year I was there, the uh, uh, football team won the national championship. 
the basketball team was a uh, national runner-up. And in baseball, we lost the final game in the regional where we'd have gone to the national tournament. So that was the, the level of success that school was having. And it was all um, led by those coaches that were there at the time. And, uh, you know, and then you'd, you'd take, you know, I was in phys ed, social studies curriculum. So anyway, I, you'd take those coaching classes to those guys and, uh, you know, you, you get to hear their stories and how they learn about things and you remember mm-hmm. those things when you got a chance to go out on your own. I think that's what it's all about, being able to pass things on. You know, you know, we're not going to be here forever. Look at John Thompson, you know, you know, yeah. just passed away, uh, uh, I guess, yesterday. Yeah. And all the accolades and, and, the, and the things that are being said, rightfully so, about him and his program and his uh, influence that he had over so many people in the, the Georgetown program that still, that still um, live today and have influence. So, um, you know, hopefully that's what we can do as coaches and helping them along, and we can use baseball as the vehicle to do that. And I think we're blessed in that regard. So, uh, I couldn't agree more, Coach. And you know, I know uh, we've been here here an hour now. You know, I don't want to keep you more than what I told you, but man, that's a that's a I couldn't agree more. You know, we've been certainly blessed, and I can't. I, I'm very blessed to have you know been able to have this conversation with you for sure. Just actually get one recorded and let everybody else share. You know, these things that I'm just fortunate enough to talk to you about. Well, you know, I, I really enjoy doing these things. Uh, uh, anytime you have anything that you you like this, I'm you know I'm always happy to be a part of it. It's uh, I enjoy talking about it as much as you do. So, it's, yeah. like that day we had lunch or whatever. To Bavar- uh, wasn't the Bavarian? Yeah. It was uh, Clarion, I guess it was. Yeah, it was a Clarion. Once the restaurants opened back up. So. Yeah, we'll have, definitely have to do that again. Especially now since we don't have the ABCA either. So we'll have to maybe make a date in January. Instead of the ABCA, we'll just go talk some baseball. Right, right. (laughs) Sound good? Yes, sir. Thank you.
Catholic mystery is the greatest Pastor, how about you? You know, at the same time as you say you struggle with this, but you guys are all in church on Sundays and church on Saturdays, and it's amazing to hear. But that's one thing that's kind of tough is to hear people who struggle like what you're doing right now. Uh, I realize that we pray, but I think we all, you know, church is a constant development ground for us to even work on. And uh, to have a guy too to be able to pray and let us know uh, when we have the opportunity to do that. Definitely things that we struggle with here seem to help him be very consistent because there is just things to relearn in every day. Um, but again, I just want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast. Where each week we try to dive into more strategies to help us serve both the physical side and the mental side as well. And uh, want to thank Coach Lowry again for the opportunity. Again, we're checking him out for Jefferson High School uh, as he continues his legendary career at Jefferson High School, West Virginia.